Numbers chapter 24 and verse, or number 14 and verse number 24. But my servant, Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it. And I want to use that verse this morning to speak to you for a few moments about a man for the times. A man for the times. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Pickles, corn, egg salad, straw hats, pancakes, cartoons, men watchers, coffee lovers, pet setters, Elvis, postcards, pets, figs, fishing, bathroom readers, clowns, carpet care, pet peeves, and even roller skaters, just to name a few, get a week, a whole week. Noodles, peanuts, Frozen food, canned foods, hot tea, iced tea, ice cream, barbecue, eggs, hamburgers, salad, bingo, clocks, drums, guitars, peanut butter lovers, real jewelry, pianos, tennis, of all things, gay square dancers, turkey lovers, creative romance, fungal infections, stop animal cruelty, and pest control gets a whole month. There's a month for almost everything under the sun. And an entire month is given to celebrate idiocy in some cases. But what should we do to honor the two most important people in our lives, and that is our father and our mother, and we only give them one day? I think there's something wrong with our system we're here today to, to honor our fathers in particular, but especially our men. I realized when I started pastoring, I was all gung-ho about preaching Father's Day messages and Mother's Day messages, and I would preach so vehemently, and I would see people look at me. I'd see some people cry, and I thought, oh, they're moved by my sermon, and, and then find out later they were remembering some really bad things about their childhood, and they... So Father's Day was not a pleasant day for them. And I realize that if you are not a parent, then it's hard for you to, uh, to celebrate uh, fatherhood. Uh, it's hard for a mother who has not been able to, to have children to celebrate Mother's Day. But we all are a product of a father and a mother. And so whether or not, I thought about it while we were worshiping this morning. My dad has been dead for a number of years, but I, I am honoring him every time I come to this church and every time I kneel to pray, every time I lift my hands to worship, in some way I am honoring his memory because that's what he did and that's what he taught me to do. And if I continue doing that, though he is dead, yet he lives because I continue to honor him. Now, on the reverse side of that, perhaps you had a father not worth remembering or your dad walked out on you when you were a child and you don't remember anything good. You still have the opportunity 
to come into this sanctuary and lift up your hands and say, in spite of everything bad that could happen to me, I am going to set an example for my family and for my future that can determine something good for my children. Amen. A father is someone who carries pictures where his money used to be. A father... He ought to live so that when someone says to his son that he reminds them of him that that boy will stick out his chest and not his tongue. Somebody asked a small boy what the definition of Father's Day was and he said Father's Day is just like Mother's Day only you don't spend as much money. I think my brother will bear it out the most collect phone calls are made on Father's Day. Believe that. Some of you have done that. Some of us have done it. Paul Harvey used to say that a father is a person who is forced to endure childbirth without any anesthetic. And I know there's some women here that would argue that, but that's what Paul Harvey said, and he's dead. So we'll let him be at rest. Amen. A father never feels worthy. I, I don't believe that a father ever feels worthy that his child, uh, of the honor that a child or the worship that a child gives him. I don't believe any father, I, I don't believe he never feels like he's quite the hero that his daughter thinks he is or he is never quite the man that his son believes him to be. A father is one who gives a daughter away to a man who is not worthy enough to marry her so that he can have grandchildren that are smarter than anybody else's in the world. I think to every child they have said at some time or other, my daddy can whip your daddy. We've never heard that said about mothers, at least I hope not. A little girl was on a ship one day and the thunder was booming and the lightning was zigzagging across the sky and the waves were crashing overboard and people were bouncing like a cork and uh, they, they were screaming. Some of them were sick, but this young girl never seemed to be bothered and passengers began to notice her calmness and finally some of them slipped up to her and said, why, why aren't you afraid? Don't you realize the danger that we're in? She says, oh, my daddy is the captain of this ship, and he knows that I'm on board, and he ain't going to let nothing happen to me, so I don't have anything to worry about. Amen. It's good to have a good father. And if you don't have a natural father that is good, I tell you, you have a heavenly father that is awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today I want us to look at a man whose life cries out to this generation and to the great need of our day. He was one of the 12 spies sent into the promised land to bring back a report of what they had seen. His name, as far as I know, is not previously mentioned in Scripture until the 13th chapter of Numbers. That tells me that there are occasions and there are times that call men out. There are 
occasions and there are events that call for men to step forward. And Caleb was one of those men. If you read the 13th chapter of Numbers, you will find that the reason Caleb was chosen was because he was a ruler or he was a leader of his tribe, Judah. He was a man who had stood out in service and a man who was respected among his brethren and now his time had come. He was a brave veteran, no doubt. And he was a man of strength. He was not a novice. He was not a weak man, possibly rough and perhaps even unpolished. And the reason I say that is because of the, the translation of his name, or at least one of them. But don't let the rough exterior of a man cover up the worth of that man. And when you look at Caleb, you understand what I mean by that statement. The name Caleb is, is a rough name to translate. And there are some who translate Caleb to mean a dog. Now, there's not very many men that want to be called or known as a dog. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The more I know about some people, the more I like my dog. Amen. The one thing that is noteworthy among the many virtues of a dog is that it follows its master. It follows its master. And therein Caleb was well named. For no dog ever followed his master like Caleb followed his God. He followed him closely. He followed him carefully. He followed him wholly or fully. He was not a distant disciple. But he was closely connected to God and God's will and purpose for not only his life, but the life of his family and his people. The power of this man's life was his commitment, according to Scripture, to wholly follow God. Everybody say holy. Holy. That means completely, totally. Nothing else mattered to Caleb. My question this morning that comes is what are we wholly following and what are we wholly committed to? He followed without dividing. He took the commandments as he found them. There were ten commandments and he didn't try to make them nine. Amen. That's a good man that will follow the commandments of God. And take them as they are. He didn't try to change the order of them. He didn't say, well, you know, I think number three ought to really be number one. He just said, God, if you call that number one, whatever you call one, whatever you call first, I'm going to call first. Whatever you call one, I'm going to call one. And so he didn't change the order. He was a man who did and walked according to the command of God without picking or choosing, without looking at them and saying, well, I like this one, but I, I'm not too wild about that one. He wholly followed the Lord. Everybody say holy, completely, 
totally without reservation. He was as ready to fight the giant as he was to carry the cluster of grapes. There are too many men who are willing to enjoy the good things, but they want to walk away from the hard things. They're willing to do those things that are enjoyable, but they don't want to do the things that are unenjoyable. It's amazing to me that as a pastor, and I'm not criticizing anyone, I'm just saying it's amazing how many men I can get to come to a stakeout or to a fish fry or to a ball game or to a camping trip, but how hard it is to get men to come to a prayer meeting. The Bible said that he he was as willing to fight the giant. He was as willing to go after those enemies that kept them from God's promise as he was to simply put the load of the grapes upon his shoulders and carry them back for God's people to enjoy. I like that. I want men, and we need men in this hour who are as quick to fish as they are to pray. And they're as quick to pray as they are to play. That they are as ready to put their hand to the hard task as they are to those things that are easy. We need men like Caleb. His name also could be translated all heart. A fitting name for a man whose whole heart followed God. He did nothing half-heartedly. He did nothing heartlessly. He did it with all of his heart. We need men who have more than heads to think with and feet to move with and mouths to speak with and hands to act with. We need men that have heart. Amen. We need men who have heart. Men who can feel. Men who can be moved. Men who can be stirred. Men who can be excited. Men who can be challenged. We need men who have heart. A man without heart is a danger to himself, first of all. But he is a greater danger to his family and to his marriage and to his church if he has no heart. The heart is the seat of all emotion and it is the shrine from which all our actions emanate. And it is important that that center of my life be in the right hand. And I know as well as you that you have seen men who were hard. And you have seen men who were mean and men who were difficult and rough. But we need men who have heart. Men who can feel. Men who can be stirred. Men who are quick to step out. I like it when our men get out of the pew and get out in the aisle and begin to worship God. I don't want our ladies to have to lead in our worship. I want our men to be men who know how to feel the touch of God on their life. And they know how to respond to that. And they know how to weep before God when it weeping is necessary. And they know how to shout before God when shouting is necessary. And they know how to walk with God all the time. 
Caleb was a man for his time. Men without heart are a danger, and you don't want to be around a person like that. You stand very long in the presence of a man like that, and you will wind up being hurt. Caleb was a man with heart. He was a man moved. If you read the 13th and 14th chapter of Numbers, you will see over and over how, how Caleb stepped to the forefront and how he presented himself before God's people. He was respected. He was a man of great character. I love it when the scripture, when God himself addresses him as my servant, Caleb. I want to tell you this morning that the greatest characteristic that you could achieve in your life is servanthood and service to the kingdom of God. He was noted as a servant of God. He was not busy promoting himself. He was not too tied up in his male ego. He was not caught up in his male hormones that he had to show himself. But he humbled himself before the mighty hand of God. And he said, Lord, if I'm known by anything, I want to be known as a servant to you. I want to be known as one who serves and works for you and gives my best. God said of him, God said of him, he hath another spirit. He hath another spirit. Everything in life acts according to the spirit that is in it. And this man, he had a right spirit. He had a brave spirit. He had a faith spirit. He had a loving spirit. He had a zealous spirit. And I believe ultimately he had a heavenly spirit. And you listen to me this morning, young men and men alike. We cannot imitate Caleb until we get his spirit. Amen. We've got to have his spirit. He was a man of courageous spirit. While others were cowering and afraid, he steps forward with words of faith and confidence. He said, we can. I love men who stand up and say, Brother Hughes, we can. I love it when our men step forward and say, Brother Hughes, I know this is against us and I know this is challenging us and I know we may have opposition here and it may not look good there, but I just want you to know we can do this. That's the kind of man that we need in this hour is a man who stands and says, we can, we are well able to do this. We are well able to do this. I know that there has to be the devil's advocate and I've played it myself at times. But what would happen? What would this church be like if our men marshaled together in the spirit of Caleb and said, you know what, Brother Hughes? We can. We can do this. We can accomplish this. We can overcome this. We can rise above this. He brought back a report of the land according to all that was in his heart. What kind of report am I bringing back? And what kind of report do I bring to church with me? That is something I need to ask myself on a continual basis. 
I like how he talks about the work of God. Too many men, too many men go silent. It's not that they speak against it. They just don't speak at all. Too many men do not open their mouth and raise their voice. But Caleb said, I'm not afraid to stand up. I'm not afraid to say something. I'm not afraid to be counted. And I want my leader to know and I want my God to know that we are well able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need men like that. We need men like that. The Bible speaks of Caleb as having a calming spirit because the, the Bible said he still the voice of the people. I like men who can still the voice of tension rather than fuel the voice of tension. Amen. I like men who can listen and then let it go out and not let it stay in. Amen. I, I like men. I think we all need to achieve that. We need to all reach for that. To be men who just let it come in one ear and go out the other. That's not what I'm basing my judgment on. What I'm basing my judgment on is God has brought us to this place. God has brought us through all kinds of things to get here. And why would God bring us through all of this? And why would God be faithful to us in all of these yesterdays and yesteryears? And now here we stand at a crossroad and God would abandon us now. I don't care what anybody else is saying. I don't care what the naysayers are saying. I don't care what the negative cynic is saying. I'm here to tell you that God has brought us this far and God is not going to leave us now. And I am here to say, I'm here to stand and declare God is with us and if God is with us, who can be against us? And he calmed he calmed people. Amen. He wasn't trying to stir up trouble. He was trying to calm it down. Now, we understand that he didn't calm the nerves of those people, but he at least tried. The other thing I like about him was he was not a murmurer. It is noted in Scripture that Caleb never was identified with any of the murmuring that went on. And there was a lot of murmuring. Now, in Texas, it's called belly aching. I don't know what it's called in Louisiana. I don't want to know, but I may not be able to say it from the pulpit. But complaining, you know what I'm talking about. Complaining. Just always seeing something wrong. Never one time was Caleb ever in that position. He was a man of great vision and faith. While most of his compatriots saw the impossibility he was a man of faith who saw more than just what was against him. He saw what was for him. Amen. And he said, let us go up. Amen. Let us go up. Let us go up. That's the kind of talk I want to hear among our men. Let us go up. Let us rise up. Let us go forward. Let's do this thing. Let's, let, let's see this thing through. Let's not give up now. Let's not become weak now. Let's not turn back now. Let's go forward. Listen to me, folks. You will never win a Hebron, which was the mountain that Caleb ultimately was going to own. You will never win a Caleb for, or, or a Hebron for your life or for your family or for your church 
if you are always talking about the giants or the difficulties or the dangers or the impossibilities, there are no difficulties to the man who has the faith to overcome them. And Caleb said, I believe God. I believe God brought us here. I believe God's going to take us through. Because of his faithful life, he is one that you can point your children to and say, if you're going to imitate anybody, imitate that man right there. If you're going to be like anybody, be like that man right there. Whatever he does, you do. Because he's a man who wholly follows the Lord. I remember growing up as a child around the church and you know, as all children, we played church at home. We, we didn't play guns and Indians as much as we played church. We played cowboys and Indians, but we played more church than we played anything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We prayed for the cat. We baptized the cat. Uh, we even shouted like people in the church, and we'd do all kind of things when nobody, no adults were looking. But I remember as just a young boy, I remember a particular man in our church that caught my eye. I liked the way he dressed. I liked the way he held himself. I liked the way that he conducted himself. I would watch him in church, and I watched how he would clap. And my earliest memories, I don't even know how old I was, maybe four or five years old. I remember watching him, and then I would try to clap my hands like that. I would watch him lift his hands and I would, I would lift my hands and, and look over to see if, if my hands were lifted the same way he had lifted his hands. Anything this man did, I thought was, that's what I wanted to do. One day, I didn't see him in church. One day, I, I just missed him. Didn't know and wasn't, wasn't old enough to ask questions, but he disappeared. He was gone, left the church. And I will never forget in, in just a childish mind trying to figure out what, what went wrong there. Where, where is my hero? Where is the man who was teaching me how to worship? Where's the man who was teaching me how to pray? Where's the man who was teaching me how to lift my hands? He was gone, and as far as I know, he never came back. Well, I'm talking about a man and the spirit of a man this morning that you don't have to worry. Is he going to come back? Is he going to disappear? A man like Caleb never goes away. Whether he's 45 or 85, he's still claiming mountains. He's still seeing the future. He's still reaching for what is beyond. Whether he's a young man full of vim and vigor or whether he is an old man who ought to be putting on his house shoes. He's putting on shoes of iron and brass so he can go to war because he said, I, I've got something yet to do. That's the kind of man we can point our kids to. That's the kind of person that we need in this church that we can point our young people to and say, hey, that's what you want to look like. That's how you want to live. That's how you want to stand. That's how you want to pray. That's how you want to worship. That's how you want to be faithful. 
that's how you want to live for God. Do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of your mind. Do it with all of your soul. Give God everything you've got. Always have a good report. Always have something of faith coming out of your mouth. That's the kind of man we need. His spirit is not the spirit of a Laodicean hour of lukewarmness. But his spirit is of a holy fire and a noble daring. We need more men who think and act and move like that. Men who have a heart for God. A heart for God. We have a number of them around this church. I am humbled when I watch some of you move and operate. When I know some of the adversities some of our men have had to go through. And yet they remain faithful and they come consistently. That's what we need. That's the kind of man this generation needs. A man of faith and a man of vision. Give me this mountain. Even in the twilight years, he's still reaching for more. God, give us men like that for this hour. Let's stand together.